Welcome to the Front Office Exchange, where we take a look at the careers of executives and rising stars within the sports business. Now, here's your host, Jake Failing. This is episode eight of the Front Office Exchange podcast, and our guest today is Natalie Best, Executive Vice President and Director of Client Service at French West Vaughn, one of the fastest growing PR agencies in the world. I was really excited to interview Natalie. It's a little bit of uh, a departure from what we've done in the first few episodes here. French West Vaughn has clients in the sports world, yes, uh, with Michael Vick probably being the client of theirs that has garnered them the most, uh, well, uh, PR. Uh, But they also work with Wrangler, and you may be familiar with some of their ads involving another quarterback, Brett Favre, as well as what it's doing with its network as it relates to professional rodeo and other events uh, for all of you professional rodeo fan listeners out there. Uh, But French West Vaughn is a generalist firm at heart, so therefore Natalie doesn't work exclusively in sports business like you've heard from some of the past guests. But she used to, though. When she first came out of school, she worked for the NBA's league offices in New York, and then she moved on to the old Charlotte Hornets in her former state of North Carolina. Uh, Natalie and I are actually from the same hometown and we're both Tar Heels, which I know is gross at this point. You're tired of hearing from all the Carolina folks. I promise we'll move on from them, but hey, you know, I'm a homer at heart. Um, and she offers a really neat perspective on how her career has evolved, including what it's like to be married to someone who works in sports as well. So without further ado, French West Vaughn's Natalie Best. Natalie, hello. Hi, how you doing, Jake? I'm doing all right. Thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having okay, me. Okay, so let's start with your day-to-day. So as Executive Vice President, Director of Client Service for French West Vaughn, tell us a little bit about your firm and what your day-to-day looks like. Well, um, we are a 20-year-old uh, national PR and marketing agency. We're headquartered in Raleigh, um, but we also have offices in Tampa, um, New York, and we have a partnership with a production studio in Los Angeles. And um, our our roster of clients and, and partners ranges from some of the largest companies in the world um, to startups. And within that within that group um, are lots of consumer brands, lots of brands you've heard of, um, lots of sports and entertainment properties. Um, so just about just about any company that you can think of, um, we, we we work with or, or have a hand in shape, shaping. So you are a generalist firm. I mean, you're in all types of industries, right? We are. We are uh, most well-known for our work in the consumer space, um, but we are most definitely a, a generalist firm, yes. And um, So someone catching – oh, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go well, ahead. Well, I was just going to say, um, each day is different. So um, with, with a diverse client uh, roster that comes with um, companies and brands that have different needs, whether it's selling a product or service, whether it's um, trying to raise their awareness, whether it's helping to mend some reputation issues, um, you know, each of those comes with a, with a different challenge. So we, we try to look at each and every one a little bit differently. Okay. So as a generalist firm, someone who is now on the one of the first episodes of the Front Office Exchange Sports Business Podcast, they're probably wondering, why is Natalie on this podcast? But um, so if we go all the way back before French West Vaughn, I uh, make it sound like it was back in the mm-hmm. 60s. It wasn't that long ago. Don't worry. Um, you started your career in sports out of uh, UNC, correct? I did. So um, I tried in college, um, e- even before I graduated, 
um, to get as much experience as possible um, in the sports sports space. So before I even graduated, tried to collect some experience along the way with um, working at UNC Sports Information, working with um, North Carolina Amateur Sports, which is the organization that puts on the state games um, as well as, as some other events here in North Carolina. And then also um, was lucky enough to be picked for an internship with the Orlando Magic that um, was during the summer of 1996, which happened to be the summer that Shaq left them for the Lakers. So um, that alone was, was a tremendous experience before even getting out of college, which, which kind of helped establish a, a springboard and just some other things um, that certainly helped me today. Great. And, and to go back even further, you and I are from the same small town, um, Pinehurst, North Carolina, Southern Pines area. Um, and, you know, an area that does have golf and, and some of the large tournaments in golf, but it's not exactly a large city where easy access through networking, maybe coming up to teams like the Magic and so on and so forth were easily accessible. So, you know, when you, you talk about being lucky enough, I think you're being modest, but to get that internship with the Magic, you know, was that about leveraging your network there at Chapel Hill or, or how did you find that? Well, I'll answer that by saying, I, you know, when students and young professionals come through our agency today and they start asking, how do you get a job? Help me figure out how to get in the door. I mean, I tell them to leverage the power of, of their degree. And in, in my case, coming from Chapel Hill and working in an athletic department that was as well-known as and is as well-known as Carolina is, that, that really helps. And I think, quite honestly, I mean, people look at your resume if you have those things on it as a 19- or 20-year-old. So um, being able to, to get that experience and have a resume that had much more on it than just a GPA and some class listings was, was really the key at that point. Um, and then once you get one inter internship, it leads to another. And, and that was certainly the, I'd say, the luck that helped me um, then land a position in New York at the league office, which, you know, is, is, is a hard thing to do, but, but, but I was really lucky to do that. Yeah, and just like me, you know, I strung together some internships as well. And the goal here is to not get paid as long as possible, correct? <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, <laughs> that's exactly right. Because once you, once you get on that program, it never stops. <laughs> it's fantastic. You know, you just you continue to live at home. Um, no. Uh, so you you were at the Magic, and then you went to New York. So um, how was that experience? You know, I know a lot of people that. Um, you know, at some point in their career, say, you know, I want to do the New York thing. Was that a little bit of that for you? Um, you know, Orlando was the, the largest city that you were in at that point in your career. But, um, you know, the two years that you were with the NBA, I guess, speak to that from a personal and professional perspective. Um, well, to, to go to New York, I mean, and, and to get a job at the league office, I mean, you realize that jobs in sports are not for sports fans. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people think they are. But they're for people that have or, or, or are trying to develop sales skills, marketing skills, technical skills, business skills. I mean, most of those jobs in sports are on the business side. There are very few that are on the basketball operations side, for example. So, I mean, you, once I got to New York, you, you quickly realized that um, it's not a game, and um, people that work, especially for those the the top pro leagues, 
they take that very seriously each and every day. And um, certainly coming out of college with a job like that was something I didn't take for granted and um, collected that experience and then parlayed that over um, to a position with the Charlotte Hornets, the original Hornets, um, and was lucky enough to be with them for their last four original seasons um, in Charlotte um, before they took a break from having a franchise in that market. Got it. Was that a goal for you to get back to North Carolina? It was not. Um, it was opportunistic. I mean, that job came open. Um, my goal, I think, was at that point was if something came open back um, in the southeast, whether that be in a market like uh, D.C. Or, or, or Charlotte or Orlando or Atlanta, something like that, I was certainly going to look there first. And that, that was what happened and, um, you know, was lucky enough to – to take my league experience and transfer that down to the team level um, and, and, you know, be able to collect a different vision point there. Yeah. So I was just curious about that. How were those two experiences different? I, you know, you, you touched on it, you hit the nail on the, nail on the head, you know, in New York, they do not mess around. Uh, you know, we get a bad rap down here in the South. Uh, things move a little more slowly. We talk a little bit more slowly. Um, you know, when you got down to the Hornets, did you say, oh, wow, this is more relaxed? Or um, is that just the nature of being with a team versus the league? Or just what were the differences? The differences are at the team level, it is all about winning. And everything that you do, and for me, it was um, in the PR and communications department, everything that we did was to support how can we help our franchise win, how can we help our franchise sell more tickets, how can we be a very good member of the community. Um, you know, everything should be in that vein. Um, at the league office, it's much more from an administration um, standpoint, you want to do what you can to support all teams. You're putting umbrella programs in place um, for 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 each and everybody. Um, but at that team level, when you report to an owner who has a you know two hundred, three hundred million dollar in property um, in their team, it's it's all about winning. Hmm. What was it like as a PR professional? Um, during those last few years with the, the team leaving Charlotte? I know it was ugly. It was, um, it, it was, it was not pretty, but from a <laughs> professional standpoint, I mean, there's very few situations that you can be put in um, that, are, that are like, like you can't recreate what we went through those last four seasons in Charlotte where we had the death of a player in Bobby Fields. Um, we had an owner who was, was on trial. We had a franchise that was um, going to relocate, so there was a struggle there. There was um, disputes with the city over how to um, raise the funding for a downtown arena. Um, all of these things that we look back on now, you know, that was were 15 and 20 years ago. But um, from a professional standpoint, there, there, there was. You couldn't recreate that if you wanted to in, in a situation to be able to learn from. And um, really, I'm able to put those practices and those um, those key learnings and those trial and error, error situations in play now in, in the agency world. Got it. And did you help them wind things down in Charlotte before they moved to New Orleans? I did. I did. And I, I worked for one of the 
great uh, veterans of the NBA and professional um, PR world in Harold Kaufman, who is hmm. um, now with the Mets in New York. Um, right. But so worked to support him and his department in the transition um, down to New Orleans and, and, and did help with that as well. Got it. So here you are in the summer of 2002. Um, you're on this fast track through professional basketball, NBA, the team level. Then your team moves. You're in North Carolina. So what is going through your mind? If you can give us a little peek into, I guess, personally, your decision-making process on, you know, I don't want to make it more dramatic than it was, but was it, hey, I want to stay in the sports industry. Let's see what else is out there. Or this is time for me to make a change. Just curious what happened there during that time. Yeah, I, I had a pretty hardcore um, for, labeled sports resume. And I had always wondered, having come out of journalism school um, at Chapel Hill and had always kind of wondered what, you know, what do those agencies do? And you hear about them and there's ad agencies and PR firms and digital shops and, um, you know, what what do they really do? I mean, those consultants, how does that work? And so that was a good time for me to test that. And um, I really wasn't sure, Jake, to be honest. And um, I wanted to try a firm that had a diverse um, roster that did play in the sports and entertainment space because I had so much experience there. I knew my skills would transfer the writing, the media relations, um, the marketing, the promotions, all that stuff I'd done. But I wanted to, to diversify a little bit without losing without losing my experience. And that, that worked out really well for me to, to, to move over to French West Vaughn. And obviously I'm still here. So how has the firm uh, changed since you've been there? I know you, it's now almost 15 years. Uh, I'm sure it's undergone some changes and, and clients and things like that. And we talked a little bit about the beginning, how it's a generalist firm. Um, but I know you also have many um, clients in the sports industry as well. So how has your role evolved there? I'm sure you know, you, you've been through several titles. Um, and then two, the sports arm particularly, how have you grown that practice? Uh, for me personally, I mean, my, my role has changed mostly just in um, increased responsibility and, and um, becoming a principal of the firm and, and lots of responsibility with new business and things like that. But the core of, of, of what we do here, that hasn't changed in terms of the, the service that we provide other than um, in 2002, we were not offering the social media and digital services um, at the volume we do today, which is, which is tremendous. And I don't think you talk to anybody in any space of, of, of marketing or PR that isn't doing that today. Um, in terms of our, our client roster, you know, um, we, we maintain um, several of those clients that were here in 2002, which is something you, you don't hear about and, yeah. and is, um, you know, something that our, our, our owner and founder, Rick French, you know, prides himself on and, and something we try to continue each and every day. Um, in terms of the sports side of things, we continue to grow that practice. Um, you know, we've, we've worked with everybody from individual professional athletes, um, NFL and NBA alike, probably uh, the most well-known being Michael Vick, who we, we still work with. And then on the brand side and on the, the association side of things, I mean, there's, there's a, a suite of clients from 
um, Fleet Feet, which is um, continuing to open um, franchise doors every day in the running space, to Nathan Sports, which is a major player in that, that running category in the hydration gear and visibility space. Um, we work with several brands under the M Plus umbrella. They're a, a large footwear and re recreational accessory um, company that, that most people have never heard of. They, they probably know their brands but, but don't know their parent company. And then, you know, have worked with um, all kinds of properties like the U.S. Polo Association to help them build the awareness and the popularity of the sport of polo in this country. We've helped um, lots of um, uh, nonprofits under the, the USOC umbrella, such as the U.S. Speed Skating Organization. We helped them um, in the last their last two Winter Olympics. Um, Speedo. Um, lots of brands that are critical to um, the the sports space, but maybe they they come to us looking for a different need. Um, so it might not be awareness, it might not be ticket sales, it it, it might be driving people to retail or um, reputation management, things like that. So at the point when you retained Vic, um, I know that that was right after uh, his well-documented um, situation. So, you know, at that point, were you as were you in the role that you're in now or were you in a hands-on? I think you were beyond the hands-on kind of account management, but um, I'm sure that that was a decision that uh, reverberated around the entire firm. It was a decision that, you know, everybody was involved with. Do we take this on and, and how do we craft his story? So just could you walk through that a little bit for me? Sure. Um, yeah, it's been many years um, since we started working with him and continue that work today. And obviously it was very, very, very sensitive um, at that time and, and still is for some people. Um, the, the work that we have done in partnership, really he's done the work, I should say. Um, we just worked with him to help him identify opportunities to help him regain his, um, you know, his his commitment to the community and to help him along the way as he re-entered the NFL um, to focus on the things that he wanted to do to help um, repair himself um, and, you know, um, do more than his court-ordered um, the, the things that he had to do with the Humane Society and others. I mean, he really wanted to get into communities and and tell his story in Boys and Girls Clubs uh, um, and other places. So helping him with those strategic alliances um, and just understanding the demands of his career along the way and, and how those programs could, could work hand in hand. And it, it has turned out really well for him. And he, uh, he did everything he needed to do and, um, you know, has, has been able to kind of close out his career, I think, in a way that, that has made himself and his family and his fans pretty proud. Well, easy now. Close out his career. I mean, you guys are dropping That's like flies right, right now. That's right. Um, I should say wind down. Um, he could certainly be back on a roster at any any point in time. Uh, it's certainly the way um, quarterbacks have been going down in the first few weeks of this season. So um, right. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw that. Right. And maybe this is a Homer question, and you've been obviously in a senior leadership position there for a while now, but, you know, as you bring in those Vicks, uh, the Wranglers, you know, the work they do on the rodeo, the work you're doing with the national governing bodies, do you find yourself uh, at any point gravitating more toward those clients or, or uh, you know, because of your roots in sports, do you, you know, for lack of a better term, do you have more fun with those? 
Sure. I mean, it was always my passion point and it still is. And I, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of, of just about every sport and there's a lot of work I'd love to do. I'd love to see us do more in the golf space as I'm trying to get my game going. Um, that's the Pinehurst. That's in you. exactly right. That goes back to our, to our roots. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, those, those are always a lot of fun, but at the same time, you know, we're doing some really cool stuff in the areas of, um, let's say, branded journalism. Um, we have created a, a program with Wrangler called the Wrangler Network, which is an online network very similar to Red Bull TV, where um, all the content is Western lifestyle focused. So you, we are live streaming rodeos. We are um, showing concerts, um, you know, um, all kinds of things that speak to, to the core audience of, of that brand. Um, and everybody wants mobile first. So, um, you know, being able to work with a brand like Wrangler to create a, 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 a branded journalism property like that um, has been something really, really cool. And, and, you know, besides the fact that they have endorsees on, on their roster like uh, Dale Jr. and, and um, Drew Brees and, and many others. So there's, a, there's an aspect to that to just about – about every company that we work with. Okay. Now let's switch gears a little bit and let's go on the personal side. Uh, now you are married to Kevin Best, um, assistant SID at the University of North Carolina. Now did you meet when you were in Charlotte or walking back to that a little bit? Yeah, we met um, back um, at Carolina. Um, he had returned there to work and um, I was finishing up things and um, that was kind of my introduction to him, and um, certainly he has a has a very successful career of his own um, there at UNC, working with the football program and in the athletic department. Um, he also just returned from working his tenth Olympic Games. Um, he um, is a, a venue manager um, and has been lucky to work the Olympics for the, uh, every two years because it's winter summer. So, um, you know, that's certainly been exciting for him and, and, and for us as a family. And um, that international experience for him is, is something that is unique and special and, and, you know, something that I certainly learned from as well. So husband, wife, PR, power couple. Uh, how do you make it work? Uh, obviously, you touched on it. He is uh, tied up in Carolina football. He is very well thought of by the U.S. Olympic Committee and the International Olympic Committee in managing these venues. Um, you know, that's a lot of travel. That's a lot of time. And that's just what comes with sports, as you know, starting in that industry. So can you give us a little peek inside the best family and just how you make that work as a couple and as a family? Yeah, we um we have ESPN on a lot <laughs> to, <laughs> right. to, to start with, but um it works. I mean, and, and honestly, like communication is probably the key to it all. I know you know that, uh, Jake, with your busy schedule and your and your family, um, and professional demands. But you know, making sure everybody knows what everybody else has got going on, and trying to prioritize your family in the place that it should be, which is first, and then all your other commitments after that. Um, and just making sure everybody works together. Um, and so it worked out well. Did your move out of sports, was that part of, you know, you saw Kevin's career uh, as well? I mean, did that come into play at all? Not at all. Not at all. Um, oh. My, you know, move to the agency side of things was really about diversifying um, the skill sets that I had and um, taking a position with a great company that was on a tremendous growth path and um, 
you know, we've kind of been able to, to maintain and kind of do all the things that we want to do professionally. So, um, again, I just say we're, we're really lucky. Are your kids into the Olympics as well? <laughs> they are. Um, they definitely are. And, I mean, there's so much there's so much storytelling around the Olympics, so not only about the competition, but, um, you know, just the, the stuff that you learn about what's going on in the world. I think it's been invaluable for, for our kids um, in watching that and understanding that their dad's traveling to Russia and Beijing and Rio and um, all these places around the world that, that are hosting international events. I'm sure the amount of Olympic swag in your house yeah. is unbelievable. <laughs> it is. Um, he came back with these flip-flops that were super popular, um, and a few other things he tells me were like the, the item of the, the items of the year. So i got to look that up. The back items back of the year in Olympics are the weirdest things ever. <laughs> so I, Salt Lake, it was the beanie, yeah. and it's, it's bizarre. Yeah, yeah. So who knows what they'll come up with for for South Korea, but – <laughs> well, you could tell uh, Kevin at some point I'll have him on. Maybe when I get into the 200s and the episodes, I mean, it, at some point people are going to say, okay, enough with the uh, North Carolina tie-ins here. Uh, but I know he's got some interesting stories to tell. So now let's bring it just in general now. Um, you've, you work with executives um, that are, you know, decades into their career. You work obviously on the agency side, but you've been with teams earlier in your career. Um, what is the best advice um, that you, one, have ever been given as a professional? And then what advice do you give, you know, obviously students coming out, um, you know, they're looking for a job. But again, I'm sure you also talk to executives that are at a, a point in their career. Maybe it was like you when you said, hey, I want to diversify or, you know, two, um, let's say they lost their job and, you know, they're looking to, to transition their career. I mean, the best advice I've ever gotten is is just the idea that hard work trumps everything. And there may be people that are more talented or there may be people that um, are smarter than you, quote-unquote, but the people that work harder are the ones that succeed. And, and that advice, uh, I mean, that, that's advice for all. And I, you know, I continue to see that um, at the CEO level um, down to, uh, you know, college students trying to figure out what they want to do. Um, and I, I try to, to live by that myself. Um, and what was the second question, Jake, the, the advice I give? <laughs> yeah, you, well, I mean, that's the advice you give. Um, just curious if there's been someone in your career that maybe has passed along advice to you or someone that you've looked up to. And I guess to take that even further, you know, that hard work, um, obviously you're doing something right there at French West Vaughn. So, uh, you know, was there a point in your career there where there was a turning point that gets you on this track to how, uh, your principal there today, you said? Yeah, I mean, the time I spent at the league office working with um, really some of the icons in NBA, um, NBA communications world, Brian McIntyre, um, Terry Lyons, Jan Hubbard, um, people like that that just at the beginning of your career, if you can work with professionals like that that have um, made their career off of hard work and, um, you know, knowing how to build relationships, that is that is something, especially in this field, that, that is very helpful because 
on the agency and the consulting side, clients want to know that you care, and they want to know that not only are you going to work to help, you know, solve their business objective, but that, you know, you're going to be committed to them and that, you know, it, it, it's it's a partnership. It's it's not really a, a client relationship, and we try to use that word as, as much as possible. It comes naturally to, to say partner, but um, that's what those guys you know, in the league office, that's what, what, what they taught me early on. What are you looking for at French West Vaughn in a, an account executive? And let's make it even specific to sports. So let's say you've got an event that you're running, uh, a sports event, and you need someone to manage that account, um, all the way from the junior account executive uh, to someone who has you know, 10 years of experience. Are you looking for someone that has worked primarily in sports events or are you a big believer in transferable skills? Totally transferable skills. So um, writing is critical because you have to be able to write for every kind of audience, whether that's a tweet, whether that's um, an email that needs to go to a, somebody on the corporate side, um, I mean, those, those skills are invaluable. And, you know, nowadays being able to clearly communicate yourself, whether it's in a phone call, whether it's in a, a moment of stress um, or, or something unexpected has happened that's gone off plan. I mean, people that are able to handle themselves in those situations that, that show those types of good habits, um, those those are the people that, that succeed um, in this type of um, you know, environment where there's a lot of different things going on. Um, you know, we just, we can't come to work, you know, come to work and, and just think about one thing. And that's the way it is in sports too. I mean, whether you're at the professional level, the amateur level, the association level, whatever it might be, I mean, you have a multitude of objectives and, um, you know, being able to show those really good habits um, and those really good communication skills are, are totally the key. What work are you proudest of there? Uh, and if you can keep it specific to sports, that would be great. And then on the flip side, is there someone else? You know, there's other firms out there, other PR marketing firms. Um, is there someone out there that you look at, that your colleagues look at and say, oh, God, I love what they're doing, either from the agency side or from a property or brand itself, just a campaign that maybe really resonates with you? I mean, there's there's other firms kind of in our space. Uh, Taylor is one that comes to mind that does a lot of work in the in the sports space. Um, you know, they'll represent clients like Allstate and their their work around um, around bowl the the, the college uh, bowl season, or Coin uh, PR, which is based in New York, which um, is home to one of my one of my other favorites from the NBA league office, Chris Brianza, who um, you should really talk to and. Um, you know, he's working with the the USGA and with the Harlem Globetrotters and others. So there's a lot of comparable firms like ours that has a corporate base but works with those companies that um, that use sports and use that emotional tie to sports to help sell their product or, um, you know, deliver their service. Um, you know, I love the some of the programs that companies like Wasserman are doing. Um, you know, they represent American Express, and I'm always, you know, when I went to the U.S. Open uh, and, and, and other uh, golf uh, events, I love to see how they're activating um, on their programs for American Express. So, I mean, there, there's all there's all kinds of places to look. There's there's no shortage of of that. Um, I saw this week where Under Armour, 
you know, has gone and used Fashion Week to launch a fashion uh, brand um, under their Under Armour umbrella, and, and they've been so well known um, in the competitive space, and and you know, aligning themselves with with athletes at the highest level. So to see what they're doing, I'm going to watch that carefully to see if that works out for them. Um, so so there, there's no shortage of those places to look. Is this where you tell me now that Brett Favre is going to wear Wranglers to Fashion Week? <laughs> it isn't, no. <laughs> Not that I'm aware of. But if he does, that that would certainly help. <laughs> That would be that would get headlines for sure. Uh, well, I know you're a big b- believer of um, you know professional growth, continuing professional growth. You know, before we started recording, you were talking about you know working with not for profits there in Raleigh. Um, you know, what do you uh, lean on? What do you use uh, to help you personally? You know, uh, I've asked past guests. You know, is it conferences that you attend? Um, you know, are you a podcast listener? Um, what what do you do outside of French West Vaughn uh, to kin- continue to learn and to grow as an executive? A um, couple things. So so two I guess two parts to that. One is um, I try to serve um, on boards, particularly nonprofit boards. Um, right now I'm I'm serving on the Y board, Alexander Y board here in the Triangle, and so being around other peers that um in that capacity where you're fiscally responsible for helping run an organization like the Y that provides um you know guidance and support in the community through athletic programs and 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 others that are related have is a continual source of professional develop, development for me um i try to i try to read um i just finished <laughs> i try when there's when there's time Right. Um, outside of the trades and, and those kinds of things. But um, I just finished Shoe Dog, which I thought was really, really good. Um, I had not read uh, other Phil Knight's other books about Nike, but um, I thought this one was particularly revealing about um, kind of some of his regrets and, um, you know, some of the things that, that he wanted to do to leave a mark on the world. You know, it was really his dreams and aspirations in the 60s and 70s as he was trying to get the company up and going. And, um, you know, I found that to be, you know, humbling and, and, you know, it kind of brings you back to how some of these huge brands get started and you, you tend to take that stuff for granted. Um, so um, things like that. I mean, that's what I try to do, put myself um, around as many of those people as possible. What's next for you and the firm? We are going to celebrate our 20th anniversary uh, next year. Um, which, wow! Congratulations. Yeah, which is which is really cool. And um, again, just try to to focus on the companies that we work for and the the brands that entrust us with their name, and kind of celebrate that um, and and try to continue to grow um, some of those relationships and. Um, as their business grows, you know, so should ours, and um, continuing to try to come up with innovative programs like the Wrangler Network or the Run Emojis that we just created for Fleet Feet that are going to be out in just a couple weeks. Cool. Um, What's a Run Emoji? <laughs> well, they did, if you check your if you check any of the apps that um, supply the extra emojis, there weren't any that showed males or females running. And then when is that right? That, that, that is correct. 
And I've been sent billions of emojis and bitmojis over the last just year. And I'm trying to think. I don't know if I've ever seen one of someone running. Interesting. Okay. Well, they just did the upgrade um, within the last couple of weeks, and they did create some. But there were some things about them that, um, I, you know, a lot of people had comments about females having their hair down, things like that that just don't – that doesn't happen. Um, so, um, so, you know, it sounds silly, but you know, the, no, that's a great, that's a great point. Now I'm picturing a woman (laughs) running with her hair down. What that would be just a mess. Yeah. Okay. What is that? So anyway, I mean, those kinds, I mean, it sounds, it's, it it sounds funny and it's interesting, but yeah, that's stuff that consumers want and they want it to be authentic and they want it to be real and coming up with those kinds of programs or, or there's, there's no shortage of those, those challenges. Got it. So since you're from Pinehurst, I can use this um, metaphor with you. I've, I've asked some past guests as well. Um, you're playing around a round of golf. Let's say number two is too cliche. Let's say you're number eight, Pinehurst number eight, um, and you need a round out of foursome. Um, you can choose athletes. You could choose former colleagues, current colleagues, but they've got to be from the sports business or sports industry. Who would those three people be that you'd like to play with? Oh God, I'm gonna have to give some thought to this, Jake. This is not that's that's too critical of an opportunity because no, I mean, it, yeah, it is a critical opportunity. <laughs> you could do like I think Michael Beal, who you know, yeah, uh, he said it was like uh, Michael Jordan. Um, I mean, he went straight to the top. Yeah, uh, or Tiger Woods. I mean, he he was not messing around. Or you could just go, you know, people that are titans in the industry. But I mean, if you mess this up, Natalie. I mean, this podcast is going to live forever. That's so. for sure. Well, I mean, everybody wants Jordan and, and Woods for sure. Right. Because, I mean, just w- with both of their golf games and and um, and others. And, I, I, you know, I'd throw a Mia Hamm in there. I think she's a, I heard she's a great golfer, and i got to have somebody to hit with me from the red tees and not force them. So. Anybody in the industry, sports business-wise, that you've worked with, maybe looked up to? You know, there's been a ton, and I, you know, I mentioned some of them. I mean, um, and you know, the Brian McIntyre's of the world, who you know are in the Basketball Hall of Fame. I mean, like I said, those 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 guys, um, Terry Lyons, Jan Hubbard, um, you know, those guys that that traveled with the Dream Team in '92, and um, that that worked in the NBA, that I had the chance to work with very very early. I mean, those those guys, those are the ones, and. Um, you know, they they give each and every person their opportunity to, even if they're 22-year-olds that just graduate from UNC that come to New York and um, are the, the lowest person in their department. Um, I mean, those are the people that I looked up to and that, that gave me the opportunity, and I'll, I'll, I will always be indebted to them. So just so we're clear, you just kicked Michael Jordan to the curb for Brian McIntyre? Not in the golf foursome, no. No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> No, no, no. Not in the golf foursome. No, 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 no. no All right. So you, you went with a power foursome as well. I okay. sure did. I sure did. All right. So where do you uh, hang out online? Are you uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, Snapchat, uh, Instagram stories? Where can people find you and where do you spend most of your time? Um, I love Instagram. And um, we are doing a ton of programs for our clients on, on using social platforms, but definitely Twitter, best um, at Best25. 
certainly on Instagram. And then, um, you know, in terms of, of sports, I mean, Sports Business Daily is still the Bible, and um, their content doesn't change. They really have stayed true to their reporting, and I definitely use them as a source of um, news each and every day. And that, that concept, when that was created about 20 years ago, or maybe even longer, um, hasn't, hasn't um, been watered down by any means. So, right. um, and what platform are you seeing right now? I know it changes every day. I can't even imagine keeping up with it on your end. But uh, are clients now loving Instagram Stories, or is Snapchat still as popular as it was? Um, it depends on your audience and who your consumer group is. Um, but I, I'll, I will. This isn't the new shiny object, but Facebook is still where it is. Right. I mean, there are more people on Facebook than there are any of these other uh, social channels. And we actually had a meeting up at Facebook in New York about two months ago where we got to sit down with um, with some of their staff, and they went through with us what, what are some of their strategic um, objectives for the year ahead and what should we be counseling our clients on and how they're heavily investing in Facebook Live as their, right. as their kind of um, competitive answer to Twitter, which has been – um, kind of owning the breaking news category. So, um, you know, there's a whole bunch of new shiny objects coming up, but, it, you know, kind of the big four, you know, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, those are those are still um, really leading the way in terms of volume. Well, great. I appreciate you taking time today. I think you've got a really unique perspective on the sports industry, obviously being married to someone who's prominent in sports business as well and sports PR. Uh, and then you've built a really impressive career at French West Vaughn. So thank you, Natalie, for taking the time. And I wish you all the best there. I know people are going to be able to find you at Keenan Stadium in Chapel Hill a lot this fall, too. Definitely. And definitely we'll see you there, Jake. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Front Office Exchange, where you hear about the careers of some of the leading executives in sports business. Visit us at frontofficeexchange.com, on Facebook, at Front Office Exchange, and on Twitter, at Front Office EXCH, to access past episodes, show notes, and much, much more. 